All right, good morning. Thank you for being here. Um, if you noticed, uh, Kyle left me the microphone, but it was not in working order, so we had to kind of jerry-rig it through my uh, <laughs> sweater, so we're already off to a great start. I want it to be very important, uh, yeah, that that's going on. Uh, I also think, of course, uh, I come in here today, and I don't know if I'm the only one who notices that we've moved all the chairs up to only like one half of the classroom. So we're, we're really close today. Uh, but I just wanted to thank everyone for being here today. Uh, we're gonna continue on with our study of uh, 20 questions is what uh, Kyle and I think David have really kind of styled this as, 20 questions. And this is 20 basic uh, fundamental questions that every Christian should know. Now I wanna preface that 20 basic or fundamental questions doesn't necessarily mean that everything that we talk about you should have known before you walked in here today. Um, there wouldn't be much of a point to us doing this if you did. More importantly, what these basic questions are is these are the, the ideas that are so fundamental to what we believe um, that it's important for us to be able to recognize them in scripture, and then to be able to articulate them to other people uh, when we have that opportunity to, to share with others why we believe what we believe. So what I wanted to start with <clears throat> is just this idea of what is atonement? Is this a word that we're familiar with? Is this a word we've heard? I would suggest that if you are here this morning uh, in a marriage, um, in a relationship with somebody, in a family relationship with anybody, or even in a friendship with anybody, this concept of atonement is something that has probably touched your life at some point. Now, I'm guessing that most of us in here at some point have messed up. We've messed up in a relationship that was important to us and we've hurt somebody. And so what happens sometimes when you hurt someone bad enough that just a, an I'm sorry isn't quite enough, we tend to do something called atonement, right? And it could be as simple as um, maybe you buy flowers for your spouse that you knew you offended in some way and you wanted just to show, I, I really am sorry for what I did. It could be any other manner of thing. Um, so we have this idea of doing something to make up for a wrong we've done. In fact, the dictionary, and I found several different versions of this, but a, a kind of general consensus of the dictionary definition of this word means a satisfaction or reparation uh, for an offense or for an injury. And so this is something simple that we all understand. It's something that when we mess up, we do to make it better. But this is why we're here today and why we're not gonna spend a whole class just talking about all the different things that we do to make things better in the relationships that we mess up. Because this isn't the question that matters. What is atonement? That's the wrong question. The better question is, what is the atonement? Because this is something different. This is something radical. This is something special. And just to, to set the stage, I want you to imagine it this way. And, I, and I'm going to go as gender neutral as possible here. 
you are in a relationship with somebody that you care deeply about, but you are a deeply selfish person. You do something against that person out of your own selfish desires. You have harmed that person. You have hurt that person. You know you need to do something to cover the divide between you and this person. And so you rack your brain and you think about what you're going to do and you spend all day, how am I going to fix this? And you come up with something, but you feel like it's just meager. It's nothing. But you hope that when you go see that person, that it's going to maybe help cover that ground. Well, you show up to that person with your meager offering and they open the door and they're standing there with a much better gift for you that you would have ever been able to present to them to say sorry. You have harmed this person. You've offended this person. You've wronged this person. And then you show up and the person says, no, no, no. I'm going to give you a gift because I don't like this divide between us. I'm going to fix it, even though I was the one injured. And that's what this atonement is. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, I am going to uh, pause uh, to show a very brief video. We've done some Bible project in here. I think maybe David Flatt's the first person who, that I saw use one of these videos, and I've been so blown away by them every time. And they have a really good about five minute video on this concept of sacrifice and atonement that I hope will be kind of like the 10,000 foot view. And then we can spend the rest of the time we have this morning kind of drilling down um, a little bit more deeply into some of the concepts. Um, so we're going to pause and go ahead and watch that video. All right. So what I really love about that video and uh, I kind of the, the point I want to make before we go much further is I think it's really easy to spend your whole life learning about the Bible, coming to church, understanding the historical narrative of, of the Old Testament flowing into the New Testament and maybe, maybe even able to point out the you know, prophetic value of the Old Testament and how the, the, those prophecies are fulfilled in the New Testament. But what I think sometimes it's easy to forget as we live the lives we live, um, so plugged into our, you know, our technology and, and all these things so separated um, from the simplicity of, of God's word is that we are actually living this story the story of atonement that we're going to dig a little bit deeper into is our story. It's a story that began several thousand years ago um, when man became separated from God and continued as God spent that entire history of humankind attempting to reconcile us to himself. And it continues on through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice and to us today. And so this idea of atonement and this and this concept of what it is is so much more powerful than just theological doctrine okay it's our story and it's a story that you and i continue to live every single day i want to start uh at least in scripture uh it may be the best place to start in scripture and it's genesis 1 1. in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth so 
right from the get-go, God is working his power in all of creation. And it doesn't take very long towards the end of the first chapter. God is creating more and more things. And something that you see in scripture is every time God created something, he says, and it was good, right? Every creation of God was good. And if you look at Genesis 1 uh, in verse 26, uh, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and the livestock and over all the earth and every creeping thing. So God created them. And he goes down into verse 31, and God saw that everything he had made was very good. So that's the plan. That's, that's the design, right? God creates, it's good. God creates again, it's good. God creates us in his image and it's good. That's the plan. Unfortunately, it doesn't take very long for that plan to be corrupted, to be marred. Uh, and as I suggested earlier, it wasn't God who did the marring and the corrupting, but his own creation that was at one time good uh, with the fall. And everyone knows that story. I'm not going to go deeply into that. But Adam and Eve sinned brought sin into that environment. And think about this. This is an environment where not only did they live spiritually with God, but physically with God. Adam was able to walk through this garden in God's presence, right? We had this connection. Humankind had this connection with God that was severed through sin. Um, so humankind is corrupted, cast out from the garden, this separation from God. Uh, that really begins this long story of God finding every way he can to reconcile us back to himself. The separation is so bad that in Isaiah chapter 59, it's described this way. Give me a second to get there. Isaiah chapter 59 in verses 1 and 2 and this, the picture that's created here is just so uh, dark. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he does not hear. That's a jarring picture, I think. God's plan, God's design was this creation where we live in harmony with him and in his presence. But we've fallen so far through the wickedness, right, that there's this complete and total separation. So if you fast forward uh, through time in the Old Testament, God has made plans to reconcile uh, us to himself, beginning really with Abraham and making this promise to Abraham that through you, I'm going to bless all nations. I'm going to make you a powerful people, right? And this is a slow process, seemingly for the, for the Israelite people. But we reach um, really in Leviticus where God sets out the law. And this is where this concept of atonement really starts to take hold in the lives of his people. And in Leviticus chapter 16, 
and I'm not going to read too much of it or even all of it because it's, it's a little bit lengthy, but my Bible and perhaps your Bible uh, has the little heading for Leviticus chapter 16 as the Day of Atonement, right? And one of the things that is sometimes probably hard for us to understand as Christians because we don't spend so much of our, uh, our spiritual lives focusing on uh, rules and restrictions and very specific things to do. But the Jewish people under the old law uh, had a very specific pattern of practice that had to be followed constantly. And one of the most important aspects of their faith and of their worship of God was this day of atonement. And it was laid out really in Leviticus chapter 16 as to how that would, would occur. And it was a lengthy process really where three particular sacrifices were made for the people. And I'll get into that in just a little bit. Um, but God set these rules out for what would be required. Uh, the high priest would um, participate in this uh, ritual of atonement where these sacrifices were made. But what's so interesting about it was that this high priest, and it was Aaron originally, had to make a sacrifice for himself before he could even sacrifice for the people because he had his own sins and iniquities that had to be covered before he could even approach God on behalf of the people. Uh, so we see very early on that atonement um, is not, this type of atonement was not permanent and it wasn't, uh, it wasn't substantial, particularly because the person offering it wasn't even clean. Now, something I think is also interesting in Leviticus chapter 23, verses 27, the Israelites are told that the Day of Atonement is a day of strict rest, and it's referred to as a Sabbath, right? What's so important and compelling about this idea of the Day of Atonement being a day of strict rest, and I really want you to think about this, because this, this applies to how we perform today, right? The day where the Israelites' sin was going to be atoned for was a day where they were told to do nothing, right? Because the atonement isn't them atoning, right? There is a sacrifice that they are commanded to provide, and they do, but the atonement is God atoning for their sins through that sacrifice. It's temporary, it's not permanent, but they did nothing, right? And we're gonna see as that progresses on through this story, how that applies to us. And it, it's a good visual image and understanding that when our sins are covered and atoned for, it has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with what we did to get to that place of atonement, but everything to do with the person who said, I wanna be reconciled and here's how we're going to do this. This concept of atonement is so important. Even today, um, you may see on your calendar or if you have uh, friends of the Jewish faith that they still celebrate what's called Yom Kippur. It's the Day of Atonement. And they still in many ways follow, um, albeit without the animal sacrifice, they follow many of the, the, the commands and the ideas as they attempt to have themselves reconciled to God. 
So what we see in the Old Testament is that this process of atonement, it's not enough. They have to do it every single year, right? Well, as we know through the book of Isaiah and through other prophecies that God's plan wasn't complete there. That was just a shadow of the plan that God was attempting to pull off, right? And so the people are told and they know that there is coming a savior that one day is going to completely erase their separation, erase their sin and save them from death. So uh, in Matthew uh, 121, um, when Jesus is born, he's called, his name is called Jesus because it's told that he will save the people from their sins. John 3.16 is a verse we all know, for God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son, right? To save from sins. Um, I'm gonna switch over to Romans uh, chapter three. If you have your Bibles and wanna look at it, it's a really uh, powerful verse or set of verses. In Romans chapter 3, 25 and 26. I'm actually going to start uh, back in verse 21. But now the righteousness of God has been made manifest apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. The same language from Leviticus and this process of atonement is used here. God put forth Jesus as this propitiation, as this gift offering, right, for the wrongs that we have done. And, and again, I know this is something that we all know, but I really want you to understand and think about how radical this is. In what other circumstance can you ever think where the person who was wronged is the person offering the gift to reconcile the relationship. That does not happen. Could, would, have you done that in your life? Would that be your natural uh, inclination when you've been wronged by somebody? And in fact, I, I really thought about this as I was preparing for this because, you know, I think probably the most self-reflective time you ever have is if you're ever asked to teach something, because it's one thing to, to listen to Eric or Chris talk about it and say, oh yeah, man, I really should think about doing that. But when you kind of get into the word and start thinking about, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk to people about this is how it should be. And then you start to think, oh man, can I even talk about that? <laughs> like, what right do I have to get up and, and tell these people that this is what you should do? And I, I do that and so I've just been thinking about the times that I've been wronged you know in relationships or family or work um, or anything else and try to put myself in this place of, of, of them wronging me but me coming up to them and saying hey I want this relationship to be good and so I'm gonna give a gift to you to get us back together even though I'm the one that was wronged and 
I think when we look at it that way, just the radical love and the radical nature of what this atonement is really comes into a clearer uh, a picture. The book of Hebrews kind of talks um, to the Jewish people and helps them understand kind of this connection between what was happening in the Old Testament and, and what Jesus is. Uh, Hebrews 10.4 says it's impossible uh, for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins, right? Because although it was this representation of life blood that was shed, it wasn't enough because the cost of sin is death and an animal's blood is not in any way comparable to human blood um, that is the real cost of this sin. And so uh, Christ had to be that sacrifice for all time. Christ being sinless is important because he became that righteousness, right? The, the, the tension throughout the Bible is this concept of we have a holy God and we have a sinful people. God wants to be reconciled. He wants to covenant. He wants to connect with his sinful people. But how can a holy God be in connection with sinful people? And so in order to bridge that gap, one who was fully and totally righteous had to make that sacrifice for all time. Um, as I was preparing for this, uh, I kind of got into um, Francis Chan and David Platt wrote a book together called Multiply, and they uh, have done a series of videos kind of talking about that. And when they talked about atonement, something really struck out, uh, stuck out to me that I thought was so important. Um, Francis Chan said, we live in a world where so many people believe that they will receive forgiveness on the basis of doing more good than bad. And I think sometimes even in the church, we, we kind of default to that position. We don't even really mean to. Um, but, you know, you think about people maybe that we know that weren't in Christ and they've passed away and and it's easy to you know try to talk to ourselves and say, well, you know, they were they were a pretty good person, right? Um, they did good things, or even with our own selves, like my good, I hope outweighs my bad, uh, but that completely misses the point of biblical atonement, right? It, it completely misunderstands that our goodness has nothing to do uh, with our salvation. David Platt wrote it this way. God's pleasure in me is not based in my performance for him, but in Christ's performance for me. And I, I do think that's something that we should think about um, because whether or not we have been justified through our faith in Jesus Christ, you know, there's a good chance, I'm just guessing, uh, that we're gonna still sin. Uh, it's really hard, right? Uh, and we've repented and our sins are covered, right? But we're going to still fall short. And one of the mistakes I think we can make sometimes is to carry that guilt with us longer than we need to, right? We are a broken people who do broken things. It's important that we repent of that brokenness. It's important that our eyes are fixed on God. Um, you know, uh, the Bible clearly says, you know, 
should we continue in sin so that grace may abound? Clearly, that's not the process. But there is also this idea that just because we are a broken people doesn't mean we have to live and wallow in guilt and feel like we're insufficient. Because God declared us sufficient through Christ, and that is all that matters. First uh, John 4.10 says uh, this concept that we are reconciled not for how much we loved God, but for how much God loved us. And I think, um, again, this, this idea of what is uh, atonement to us in our lives different from kind of the cultural version it is, is this radical love. It's, it's who is doing the work. Um, I want to try to draw a comparison, and it is uh, so much even above my head that I'm going to do a little bit of reading from it. As I prepared for this, there's this really interesting idea that uh, not only is what happened in the Old Testament a shadow of the things to come, uh, but really does uh, point out to the people and to us today how that story really, how that narrative has been unfolding throughout time. And, and I want to just, I want to leave you with this um, today. Atonement is clearly the action of God and not of man throughout the Bible, uh, but especially beginning in Leviticus chapter 16. Um, God gives Aaron precise instructions concerning how he wants the sacrifices to be made down to the clothes that Aaron is to wear the bathing rituals that he must engage in, and the types of animal sacrifices he is to bring. Uh, God's sovereignty is emphasized by the fact that the lot is used to choose which goat will be sacrificed and which goat will serve as a scapegoat. So the purpose of this ritual is made very clear. It's to cleanse from all sins. Um, the symbolic importance of the sacrifices is so detailed that three different actions were necessary to display everything that God apparently intended us to understand about the way he deals with sin. And I think this is the really important part. There was three, three primary uh, events that occurred on this Day of Atonement. This first was the sacrificial death of this first goat that shows that the offense of sin clearly requires the punishment of death. Um, and then there was a second goat that was sent into the wilderness with the sins laid on top of its head. It emphasized that God was going to separate us from our sin. And Psalms 103 verse 12 uh, describes it as our, our transgressions being removed from us as far as the east is from the west. And this concept that when God has forgiven us of our sins, they are so remote from us that it's not even fathomable uh, where they are. And then finally, they burned a sacrifice to show that God's um, power is so, is so completely sufficient that it completely consumes uh, the sin that was once ours. So these Old Testament sacrifices, they're shown to be shat but shadows of the real sacrifice of Christ on the cross. Um, by the fact that Aaron's sinfulness, which I mentioned earlier, uh, he's an imperfect high priest who cannot offer a true sacrifice, just as the blood of bulls and goats could never truly pay for the offense of human sin or substitute for the shedding of human blood. Uh, 
But here's where it's really interesting. When we move forward into the New Testament and, and, and really understand how Christ mirrored but better what was going on, uh, he takes action that is rightly called, God takes action that is rightly called substitutionary, putting his son in our place and remaining just, but also demonstrating his mercy, right? And we've talked about this before. A holy God cannot be one with us because of that sin. But God's also just, and, and I, again, I believe David uh, is the one who I think really made this stick out to me as somebody who uh, engages in legal practice. You can't have a judge who is a just judge who doesn't follow the law, right? If somebody does something wrong or violates the law in some way um, and they come before the judge and say, you know, I'm really sorry, I didn't mean to do that. You know, the wronged party is probably not going to be satisfied if the judge says, well, he said he's sorry. So, I mean, why don't we just let it go? Right? A just God has to punish justly. Uh, and so God is able to retain his justice and his righteousness and his mercy all through the power of Christ. So it says the themes of sovereignty, mercy, and comprehensiveness that we saw present in Leviticus 16 are paramount in what is happening in Christ's sacrifice as well. And so again, I just wanted to convey today as we discuss this concept of atonement, um, again, which is one that if, if we didn't have some understanding, there's no reason you're sitting here in a chair today rather than at home doing something uh, that you might have on your many list of things to do, right? The fact that we're here today, we've all accepted and understood uh, the power of Jesus Christ in our lives. But I wanted us to hopefully walk out of, of this class today um, with just an emphasis on how absolutely radical the atonement through Jesus Christ is compared to what we commonly understand to be this idea of forgiveness and making amends for the things we do wrong. This is a story that began several thousand years ago when God created goodness and that goodness became corrupted. It's a story that's continued throughout human history through um, huts and, and, and wooden uh, structures that people have lived in and castles and boardrooms today in our homes, in our hearts. This process of atonement is the message of the Bible. And, and I really think that if, 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 you will dis if you could distill what this book is um, from beginning to end, it is, it is the human story, and it's the message of atonement in the human story. And it's a God who wants nothing more than to be reconciled with the people who have harmed him, who have wronged him, who have been wicked. And God says, I love you so much anyway that I'm going to bring us back together. And he did it. And all we have to do is just accept that gift and become baptized in Jesus Christ. And that's, I think, uh, an incredible story. Thank you so much for, for being here today as we discussed uh, one of these 20 essential questions, what is atonement? Um, I hope that it is something that uh, has maybe enlightened you a little bit more. Um, and really, I hope that the, the purpose of, of really coming to, 
to terms with these, these fundamental uh, questions about our faith is so that when we find ourselves in situations with people who may be receptive to those messages that we have um, through our study and just through the grace of God, the ability to, to share that message that's changed our lives. Um, I'm going to say a prayer and we'll dismiss.